Uh, you know what the best as an adult, it wasn't this way when I was younger, but like as an adult, the best thing in the world, canceled plans. Uh-huh. Ugh. Uh-huh. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. So last week and the week before when we didn't record, uh-huh. I was like, <laughs> ah, oh, yeah. that's nice. oh, that's that good shit. Dude, when that Google Calendar cancellation email comes in five minutes before the meeting, uh-huh. you're like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Directly into my veins. Welcome to episode 458 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach. And I am sitting in the same room as my buddy Brian in here. In the studio. Look at us. Uh, we haven't done this for years. Well, because normally we also record. We have, we like do video call to set up an intro. But then when we record, we turn off our video. And now we are staring into each other's eyes. You haven't blinked in a long time. (laughs) It's very, very intimate. Disconcerting. Sorry, sorry. Let me blink here. No, we're back in the studio. um, Mostly for fun. I guess we could have done this remote, but we're going to chill, have some curly fries, Uh and eat dinner after this. Okay, Marshall, let's move on. Before we get into today's topic, we have some very important things. Ooh, hey. hey. Welcome to the fam. Come on into the hot tub of design details designers from around the world. <laughs> Shout out to Anmal Kumar, Andre Repin, Connor Boylan, Ruslan A, Andrew Ambrosino, Eric Stanley, D. Glaze, Shojo Islam, Luigi Celli, Jillian Switz, Chen Lee, Stevie Roger, Alex Nikolai, Emily Keeler, and last but not least, Ryan Belisle. Hey, welcome to the fam, hey, everybody. Hey, hey. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means every month people gather on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details, where they get access to bonus content for the low price of just a buck. Just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. You get access to bonus content. We call that bonus content the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. If you want to hear more design details episodes, that's where they are. Once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. So thank you to all of our new very important pixels this week. With that, Marshall, let's talk design. Let's get into it. Uh, so quick update. Indeed. Yeah. As some of you may have noticed, as, <laughs> as regular listeners will have certainly been wondering, where have we been? Yeah. Uh, the answer is busy as all get out. <laughs> all, all get out. That's what I was going to say, too. That's uh, it's a colloquialism where I'm from. It's but a good I, I like one. It. It's, yeah, it's very uh, quaint. And I really am trying to swear less. Like my default was busy as F. Uh-huh. That's lazy. Busy as all get out is kind of fun. Uh-huh, yeah, right? no, There's a yeah. character to it. A little flavor. Yeah. So we've been very, very busy. busy, which I don't know. It's all excuses. But here's what we've decided to do. Well, actually, even before that, there's there's the question like, do we even keep doing the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. Like, so the first question was, do we keep doing the show? And I've been doing this for eight going on nine years. Uh-huh. Like I've I got podcasting out of my system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. fun. Scratched that in. And I still have fun. Like, this is a fun time. Mm-hmm. Uh I think as what I'm doing for my job now, which is starting a startup has ramped up. One, I design a lot less. So I feel like I don't have as much to talk about 
for this show with this audience with this topic mm-hmm. and this show name and the show name. Yeah, very misleading if we just talk this about startup business stuff. details. Yeah, 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 startup details. Yeah, but the second thing is like, look, we missed a few weeks. Well, actually, even before that, we went down to a sort of like a biweekly schedule, yeah, which we've been loosey goosey on. Well, back in the day, back in the day, this used to be two, two times a week. week, and then when I joined, yeah, it, or sometime before I joined, it went down to one time a week, yeah, yeah. and then at some point, we've been yeah, on a slow, yeah. slow descent, a slow yeah. day crescendo. So who knows? Maybe this time next year we'll be doing once a quarter. No, I, I don't know if that's true. But anyways, we we had an honest conversation about whether we should just stop recording. I guess from my point of view. The, the question is, I don't want the podcast to like whimper into obscurity. Yeah, yeah. Die, die with a whimper. Yeah. But I think we still have shit to talk about. Yeah. See, there I go. We still have stuff to talk <laughs> you about. You lazy ass. Uh, you... Oh, ah, fuck. I did it. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit. <Fuck. laughs> uh, like interesting design topics will come up. We are going to encounter stuff in our jobs where design is the core of the thing. Mm-hmm. New companies will ship new features and new products that we want to talk we'll about. Want to talk new about Apple new events, events, new Figma yeah, events, exactly. new Google events. So it didn't feel right to hard stop. Mm-hmm. But we both had a conversation and realized like the only way this is sustainable from a recording time, from an editing time, from a, do we have fresh and interesting things to talk about point of view we got to go monthly yeah by by episode 400 and what are we at four five fifty eight like what haven't we talked about at some point i mean we've done 200 episodes the two of us yeah, right yeah, yeah. not to mention all the ones before like what else is there to talk about that isn't from our brains or from like our experience? It'll be new stuff, like new developments, new technologies, new trends, new things. Yeah. So I think that seems like a fitting thing to to nerd out about every once in a while. I guess like the the elephant in the room here will be what do we do about the Patreon, right? Mm-hmm. We know that many of you listening are supporting the show on Patreon and paying us a dollar or more a month. And we mm-hmm. really appreciate that. But the deal you signed up for was four months ago. A month. Yeah. yeah essentially one a week. Not the same deal as we And had. that went down to two a week. Are you still okay with one a month? Like is is just a buck a month, just a buck an episode? Is yeah. that is well, that still worth it? We don't have to ask. I mean, this is up for every listener. Like we're gonna oh, keep yeah. doing we're gonna you'll, record an you'll episode. Tell us with your with your feet. With like, your dollars. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're gonna keep doing an episode. We're gonna do it on this new cadence. We will continue to ship the sidebar as a little bonus goodie. For people who support us on Patreon, consider it a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. It can usually squ- be a squint, little bit call that- nerdier, I think. Yeah. like We usually keep that a little bit more esoteric, a little bit nerdier, maybe a little bit closer to the vest of stuff you've been thinking about with your startup. Yeah, yeah. Or we talk about like behind-the-scenes More, the scenes more vulnerable, yeah, behind-the-scenes stuff. And it will continue to be that. So anyways, all that to say, I don't know that anybody needed our permission to cancel their Patreon subscription. Uh-huh. But I guess I'll just say, we totally understand. We if, get it. If next month people decide that it's not worth it, we get it. And then we'll adjust if, if enough people decide it's not worth it. We will cut the sidebar and we'll just mm-hmm. do, do an episode a month. Mm-hmm. If people still enjoy it, we will continue to do the sidebar, keep the bonus content coming, mm-hmm. and hopefully make it fun and interesting and useful for everybody. Yeah. Okay. I don't okay. want to belabor this. That's the update. We're going no. monthly. We're going to keep doing the sidebar. We understand to all Patreon patrons if the deal you signed up for is no longer attractive under these new terms. So do with that what you will, and we mm-hmm. will be happy and continue chatting about design once a month. And have fun yes. with it. And yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing is like, I would miss, I would miss this. Yeah, you know, it is fun. If it went away. 
the thing is, it's like, it's always, fuck, it's like Monday afternoon, which by the way, for the last like six weeks, Mondays have been my worst day. Yeah, we Shit can hits change the, the fan, record day. Stuff breaks. It's my meeting day. And then we get to like 6 or 7 p.m. It's like, you ready to record? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, usually I've been working since like 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, around 7 p.m. rolls around and I'm still in the yeah. same chair. I've been working all day like, oh, yeah podcast right okay gotta talk about this yeah let me change my mind state here yeah okay that's it okay yes we would miss you though listeners so (laughs) and hopefully you would miss us so we're gonna stick around for a little bit in a less frequent capacity but we're still here that's maybe that's a topic we haven't talked about is like how to help people off board from your product in a non-manipulative way like even you saying we'll miss you kind of manipulative right no i'm saying we would have missed you if we'd stopped doing the podcast oh oh oh! i thought you're talking to like the patreon no no, no. oh yeah no i'm just saying like i'm happy that we're not quitting yeah because that was the other option here so we're gonna be around if we had left i would miss them hopefully they would miss us the audience and the ritual whatever on whatever cadence yeah. yeah okay okay moving on Moving on, Marshall, main topic. This one is very designy uh-huh. and very in the weeds. So yeah. I came over tonight. We got to record this episode. We're going to hang out and have dinner. But I came in, opened my laptop. I said, Marshall, come look at some pixels with me because I'm uh-huh. currently doing some fine tuning on the campsite interface. Mostly for fun. This was my weekend project. Is like, I'm going to go play and just like tweak some colors and move some lines and nudge some buttons. And I kept encountering these problems as I'm trying to simplify and streamline Campsite's interface that I needed a gut check on. And we ended up having a really fun, I don't know, like 15 minute critique of like, how do you do borders in this particular way? Or how do you do color in this particular way? Or if you make this change, what are the knock on effects of that change? Yeah. Yeah. So let's dig into it. So I think the, the topic title will be how do you simplify a user interface? Mm -hmm. And let's ignore the obvious shit. The obvious answer that anyone with that blog post title would, the first thing you write is like fewer type styles, yeah, fewer colors, like create hierarchy, right? Yeah. Like let's assume all that's taken care of. I want the nitty gritty. Okay. So mm-hmm. first things first, borders slash separators slash dividers. Yeah. I use too many of them. Uh-huh. I love them. That was one of the things that yeah, stuck out. I'm like, do you need, do you need that line there? You need yeah. that line there? Like what if you, what if you got rid of that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's scary. You looked at me like anathema. Like, (laughs) how dare you even suggest such a thing, Marshall? (laughs) Well, listeners, you have to picture this, right? Like Campsite is an app with a left sidebar, a main content area. And within the main content area is a top title bar. So the the sidebar has a right border and the title bar has a bottom border. So you Mm -hmm. get these three sections, clearly defined sections. And Marshall goes, what if you just removed the right border from the sidebar? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I can kind of see, but then we're going to have this hanging bottom border on the title bar. He's like, what if you remove that one too? Uh-huh. And I said, like, you crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> you can't get rid of all those. <laughs> and, the, well, and then now you, you kind of have a hard edge under that title bar. So yeah. it's like, how do you do that? Well, you could make that title bar blurry background, right? Kind of yeah. like Apple does um, or iOS does in general. Or you could like do a fade gradient mask at the top there, yeah. so it like slowly fades. Doesn't have a, such a hard edge there, but yeah, like doesn't change a whole lot. I think the only like major issues you run into there is the 
left aligned things in that top title bar and how they associate with things in the left they nav. start to jut up against the sidebar yeah. mm-hmm. which is why i, I I'm, I'm probably going to keep those borders. lines i like those madman those lines yeah but it is interesting because youtube used to have those lines <laughs> that's true and no longer does yeah so you made the opposite decision yeah yeah Got rid of those lines, huh? What are the knock-on effects? Are well, pe- actually, like years ago, we used to have different background colors for each of those things. So we might have even had dividers on top of it, but but definitely we had like the top bar was white and then like the left nav like a was like a lighter gray and then like the main area was like a darker light gray. So it's like all of the different surfaces stepped and if there was like a right side panel, that was another. We had four different background colors. It's like, eh, simplify. What if they were all just the same white? You know? Yeah. What if we didn't have drop shadows? What if we didn't have dividers? It cleans everything up a lot. I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten used to seeing it that but way. But how do you know it when you've gone too far? Because I think those separators and those color backgrounds were doing a lot of work. It made it very clear what section is what and what kind of content or, or actions to expect to perform in those areas. And when you put them all on a flush surface, you have to rely on different cues, right? Like in your case, key lines and spacing between elements Margins. have to be on point, yep. right? Um, it does feel like it makes it less immediately obvious. Or do you think like internet users, we've transcended the other? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like I think we've pretty much transcended. And like you said, if you're doing a good job with your general gestalt of like proximal things and you know white space or layout of the page, you don't need the lines like your eye will draw the lines for you, right? If there's spacing there, if there's a margin there and it's consistent with like a key line for everything, your brain will create it for you, whether you draw it or not. So like we can imply these things and the user will infer them if we imply them well enough. Otherwise, if you use the like grades of gray, you just end up swimming in the sea of gray muddiness, which yeah. never feels good yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting thing that I tried this weekend. I tried making campsite all white. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that was putting cards on an all white background. Make, like just a outlines. Feed, a feed, yeah. right? Yeah. You end up with outlines. Or drop shadows, I guess. And things just get lost. Like I, I put production and local next to each other. And the version with the gray background and the white cards, it's just easier to scan. It's why Facebook looks the way it looks. It's why LinkedIn looks the way it looks. Mm-hmm. A light gray wash with white cards floating on top, either with a border or a shadow, is the most scannable thing. So how do you get around that? Or do you not just accept it? I, I, I'm kind of coming to terms with it. Like, if we want this design, we got to have two colors. Well, I think, um, I think you're right. I think it works there because the content isn't necessarily on that gray all of your content has a white card to live on, so it doesn't feel as muddy. You have that background protection. I think when it's everything lives on gray and everything's on the base background, that's then hard. That's, yeah. yeah, that's where it gets muddy. But I think one of the elegant things that you did that you showed me was you used to have a white background left side nav and a gray background main body. And by extending that very light gray into the left side nav, maybe even getting rid of the divider line between the two, Uh uh you end up like your brain ignores it and you almost don't see the gray anymore because you you only see the cards coming forward. Which I love, by the way, because that's one of our operating principles is we always try and reduce the attention drawn to our Chrome Mm -hmm. and always towards user content. Mm -hmm. 
And so by just dropping the white background on the sidebar, which is our Chrome, it does kind of disappear. And then the thing you have to make sure you're really careful about is having clear like selected states so people can quickly grasp where they are in the hierarchy and that kind of thing. Yeah. And the other thing about the selected state, to your point, is like that helps define the width of that left sidebar container if you don't happen to have a divider. like You can lean on these other cues to, again, indicate to the user what the bounds of this yeah. invisible box are. I think I'm just like old school. Like I think I'm still stuck in the old school. Like Just throw some borders on it because it's more clear. It is more clear, but I understand how you end up in a world where it's noisy. Like the distinction between clear and noisy feels very subtle. Well, there's also the problem with, I think of them as L's. And it's kind of funny, modern vernacular, like taking L's. Like you end up with all these L-shaped interfaces nested. So you have like a top nav and then a side nav and then a body, but the body has a side nav. And then you have a sub top nav within there. And there's just all these nested L's within each other. And then especially when you further define those L's with the divider lines, you just end up with this like, you know, when you uh, are in a meeting presenting your screen and you select the presenting screen, it just extends onto infinity. Uh It starts to feel like that. It's like this hall of mirrors. When it's a bunch of stack of things, like when you have a bunch of vertical bars, I call that layer cake. This isn't quite layer cake. This is like L cake. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't like the L's. Yes, um, yes. Stop taking so many L's. So, so when you add those dividers, it ends up looking like this fractal that goes down and disappears yes. into yeah. infinity. Anyways, avoid that at all costs. Which is most modern interface design. It's like you just end up with that because, I don't know, yeah, we're in side navigation land for most apps. I feel, I feel like Mac OS has taken that, or I guess iPad OS maybe started it. I don't know. Like somewhere in there, we were like, okay, sidebars. Mm-hmm. Like, Every app's going to have a By default, right? Uh, Um, iPad did that like a year and a half ago or something, yeah. And then when you're thinking of responsive, well, that sidebar is going to go away at some point. So then you need some context for what view you're on. So then you add the top Mm -hmm. title bar. Mm -hmm. So that's where the L starts and then just, yeah. Mm -hmm. You got too many parents and children and grandparents and grandchildren and it gets out of hand real quick. I guess the other lever you could pull is having lower lower contrast separators and probably get yelled at by somebody for not meeting some accessibility requirement. But that one feels borderline to me because if, if you could borderline, <laughs> if you could get away with not having it and it's still being the interface is still accessible, then you could add it and have it be very low contrast to the point where like maybe people on shitty monitors don't even see it, uh-huh. but it like helps. I don't know. You would even push, you wouldn't even do that. Well, I'm like, if it works without it, then why have it? Because it's, it, helps it's subtle it's it's there well i don't know i I think maybe i'm of an opinion lately that like divider lines are not modern and maybe that's just a subjective thing maybe i don't know i feel like divider lines are are a little bit 2.0 they they do feel 2.0 they feel facebook circa like 2008 yeah Yeah. (laughs) something like that yeah like early twitter Okay, so that's border separators dividers. I guess the the message here is like try getting rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you do get rid of them though, that's where you're you're moving up into the like mastery of interface design where you have to have a sense or perfect math of how far apart things are from each other so that things feel sectioned and easily recognizable as one content Separate area surfaces. versus another, right? So key lines and, and spacing. So that's the the counterpoint to having lots of borders and separators and dividers. Okay, second thing on my list was I love 
My favorite keyboard shortcut when I'm typing text is Option Shift Nine. That is the interpunct character. I know it's it's Option Eight. No, that's the fat bullet. Oh, okay. Option Shift Nine is the small one. Oh. And I love it. I don't like that little. I one. love the little guy you, you because can't even it's not. It. Yeah, you can't really see it, but it's there. It's not big and chunky. Like option eight looks fat and ugly to me. Yeah. Option shift nine, crispy. But they do add noise, and I use them all the time to mm-hmm. split up metadata. Right. Like you have a byline for a post and a feed. Author interpunct date mm-hmm. interpunct category interpunct mm-hmm. views. Like it just goes on and on and on. Right. I feel like Twitter's tweet details have gotten really gnarly. I don't know if they, actually, they might have actually been able to remove some of these. Yeah. So I tell me to. more. And looking at your, they've always bothered me. I hate the bullets. I hate the bullets. But why? Like they, it's the same thing as borders, right? Like they do help. They create more space totally. and division between disparate pieces of information. Mm-hmm. So how do you get rid of them and maintain clarity? Yeah, yeah. So you got to do it in a way where, it looks the same when you squint your eyes with or without a bullet between stuff. So like, spacing. Yeah, yeah. You just use spacing to clarify the end of one piece of metadata and yeah. the start of the next, right? Which is what the bullets are doing anyways. Yeah. For the most part, like it's, they're just, they're a character between two spaces that separate right, your right. things. You know what I mean? I feel like the other way you could go about it is either get rid of the dot and you keep the space mm-hmm. or at least a certain percentage of that space. Mm-hmm. Or you take the second string. So let's imagine you have like name and date mm-hmm. for something being published in a feed, right? Name, right. date. You take the name, make it slightly heavier weight, slightly darker. Take Maybe the date. a little bit larger. Ugh, maybe. I don't like different size text. Yeah, you can do up. it if the second one aligns to like the X height of the yeah, first one. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's an option. But I think the cleaner option is same size, but then the substring is slightly lighter, both in weight and color. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So you have Either. name and then like two hours ago or whatever it yeah. has to be, or 2H, which is another another nice thing that I thought you were doing on there of like truncating the time stamp or like the relative yeah. date of 2d like i know what 2d or 2h or yeah 3y we try um, and be good about that like if if you've published in the last minute it says just now then it goes to yeah like 3m three minutes one h one hour and then we start working our way backwards to the point where like i think it's as soon as you hit months i think we start including the year do you do weeks or do you do days all the way up to a month uh i don't know it but it, there's like a a, a gradation to right. it right Right. That's nice. I noticed that too. I was like, oh, that's nice. 2H. Crisp. Like that. Nice and crisp. Yeah. But get rid of that bullet between it. You don't need it. Okay. Okay. I got rid of the, I got rid of some of the bullets. I'll go through and do another audit. All I have to, then that's the nice thing. I just do a project search for the option shift nine character. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just really easy. Okay. Next topic. Here is where I actually really, really struggle, which is containing things within containers that contain other things. Uh huh. Box in a box in a box. box I always box think of um, Emperor's New Groove. There's a scene in the Emperor's New Groove where Yzma talks about how she's going to kill Kuzco. And uh, one of her ideas for how to kill him is she'll turn him into like a little cockroach and she'll put him in a box and she'll put that box in a box and then she'll ship that box to herself and smash it with a hammer. <laughs> and every time, so like every time wow, I that think is of this, such I think a deep, deep cut. But yeah, so uh, this yeah, is what this it. is what I deal with all the time, mm-hmm. especially when you think about like a feed card. Like, okay, well now I'm going to have some sub content within mm-hmm. that that needs to be contained. Like we mm-hmm. have polls, and we like we we preview comments within a feed card. 
And so you end up with these subsections within subsections and you end up with, first of all, you have to like deal with concentric border radius, mm-hmm. which is pain in the ass. Yep. Or there's alternatives, which you and I talked about. So what are some alternatives to like bordered concentric containers? Well, okay. Starting like one level further removed from that, I think the fact that you have like your basic interface is cards on a background, like you're already starting with a box. Like everything that you do will like inherently have one level of box that it lives in. So like that's tough. So when you're building a feed, you're coming out of the gate with at least one box. Right. Uh, if you start doing it on cards. But okay, so once you're once you're inside that card, there's kind of the same options you have at the parent level of like, do you need a line to define the left side nav or can the spacing and margins and stuff do that for you? Same way here, like can your vertical rhythm of the things within your card and horizontal rhythm, can can those clarify different segments and the space between them in a way that you don't need lines or you don't need boxes? In times where you do need a box, do you do an outline or do you do a filled, like very light, you know, three to five percent black over white, you know? Uh, And I think there are different uses for that. So one of the use cases that you had was like a drag and drop area. And originally you had that as an outline. I'm like, you should make that a fill because it's like the whole thing is a well. It's like it's a pool that I want to drop stuff into as opposed to a a fence around, you know, like, Uh uh um, but then you run into the issue of like, Within one of these containers, what if you have another container inside of that, right? We get into the Yzma problem here, right? So I have a mental like headcanon rule of, in general, I don't do the same thing twice. So a a child, uh, like a button inside of a container card or whatever, if that card has an outline, then the button should have like that tonal fill. If the card has a tonal fill, then that button should have an outline. Because otherwise you end up with like, additive like multiple levels mm-hmm. of light opacity adding yeah, yeah, to yeah. each other or you end up with the visual box in a box like lines concentric lines always looks bad especially trying to get that math right and you know with the with the corners so if if the container is one the interior one is the opposite yeah that's a good rule uh, it served me well but you know there's always exceptions or whatever but generally that's that's what i tend to go with and, and it feels pretty good you don't mess up your accessibility requirements like your contrast ratio with like reducing the contrast from your foreground to your background <sighs> having those layers and elevated background colors are such a pain in the ass because <laughs> then you put text on it and it's like the text is accessible depending on which background it's on because the text is a baked color it's not some opacity which that's another way to do it it's like instead of your secondary color being like a, a full opacity gray you make it like 60% black in, in light mode. or what? But that has performance issues because it has to like calculate what the combination of those two colors is. Yeah, and it just is. doesn't always work. Like sometimes you are overlapping things and you need like the, the classic one that people run into and, and I've run into is you do that for borders, right? Like you do a semi-transparent black or a white for a border. But then at the intersection of borders where they touch, like on a corner, it's like slightly brighter on that one pixel. And then you get these like dots. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Overlaid dividers never, ever do that. Yeah. 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 yeah you got to inset that shit, the, the width of the divider. Yep. And then you're nudging things literally one pixel and doing that in code sucks. So then it's like, okay, let's just have full opacity divider. But now when you start stacking it on top of different elevation backgrounds, it loses or has too much effect. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always, yeah, it's like, um, I'm always kind of 
drawn to this metaphor of, you know, those slide puzzles where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, a four by four tiles and yeah. one thing as a whole. But, you know, if you get all the tiles in the right order, it makes a picture. Yeah. Design feels like that a lot of the time where it's like... You can almost see the full picture. One tile's out of mm-hmm. place. You move the one tile and everything Every, breaks. Yeah, everything yeah. breaks. And I go, okay, I'm just going to fuck up the whole row. But now if I shift this here and I shift that there, yeah. then that affects this thing. And like eventually, if you judge everything just right, you can get the whole where it's supposed to be and the picture is intact, right? Right, right. That's a great comparison. It does Interface design does feel like that. <laughs> yeah, everything affects everything, which is really hard to like ship updates like you know if you want to address hierarchy on a page you can't just ship a type update or a layout update or a key line update or a spacing and margins and you know like you have to do it kind of all at once otherwise it doesn't do the job that you're trying to do yeah it's tough that's why i dedicated my weekend to this i'm like because you just got to knock it out you can't break that up into multiple prs it's like exactly well, i guess you could but then you live with a very dysfunctional, fragmented, fragmented yeah. interface for feels bad. however long it takes you to finish it. Here's another thing that feels bad, moving mm-hmm. on to kind of our last point yeah. here. You had some reaction buttons and kind of the footer of each of these cards. And each of those reaction buttons had a light outline. Mm-hmm. And the kind of rectangular, rounded rectangles mm-hmm. live next to each other in kind of like a chip row. Mm-hmm. And uh, the difference between one that was a reaction from someone else versus the one that I made is mine are blue. They have a blue outline and kind of a a lighter blue fill and the number is blue. And you're like, I like having removed the outline from these other things. You have like, there's a comments button or something. I forget exactly. But these other action buttons that live next to all the reaction chips, those didn't have outlines and they looked really nice and modern and clean. And compared to the other ones, you're like, how do I? So I'm like, get rid of the outline, get rid of that fill color, just use the color of the number to indicate like it's it's like secondary gray if somebody else did it or like a primary blue if you sent it. And mm-hmm. it's like a much more subtle thing. You don't have to worry about the container because that, that was the other thing is like we have these things that have a container definition next to other ones that are the same size and could have a container definition but don't. So it feels weird. They yes. look next to each other. So I was like, strip all that stuff away. Yep. Like, and then and then it creates a second order effect uh-huh. of which is uh, breaks the, your key lines. The key line on the left. So you have this button that has inner padding because when you hover over it, it's going to have like a light fill background. So it needs to be inset from the key line that it would because like the the button itself. Previously, is the, the border line. of the button was the key line. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have the border. It's an invisible button bounds, so it looks like it's floating out farther. So you kind of want to push it to the left a little bit so that the leading icon or the avatar or whatever lines up on that border. But now you run into the problem of when you hover, the bounds of the button like eat into the margin. I never know what to do. I go back and forth on this all the time. Do I want the hovered state to look bad or the non-hovered state? Either way, you get like one. It looks wrong, right? Yeah, one looks bad. And I think for me, my money's on the eat into the margin and have the hover state look bad. Have the hover state be a little bit off. The 0.001% of time people will see that 99.9999% they'll see the other thing. And it's just going to look like it's floating way far from the edge of the screen in a different key line from everything else in the page. But these are like knock-on effects. Like, So actually, what the real thing to do there is probably not use a borderless button right? Like use like a text button, like a link. Well, no, no, no. Or like do something with a fill, do something with an outline or Uh. whatever, but that looks less modern, right? So it's this trade-off between Uh 
is it actually less modern if it eats into the margin my hover states like is that trade-off actually more modern than the thing yeah uh questionable yeah i think i will gravitate towards make it look good by default even if the hover state feels slightly off yeah i, I think ultimately you make the right choice for what people will see most of the time yeah what most people will see most of the time yeah Okay, well, that's our list. So we talked about borders, separators, dividers, bullets and interpunks, containment of nested things, and button alignment when you remove the bounds of a button. Oh, here's one last thing. I don't Ooh. know. We could, have, we could have talked about it in the containment thing is if you have pill-shaped buttons. Oh, don't even get me started. And you have like an icon or something. Well, yeah. So pill-shaped buttons create a whole slew of problems both interiorly and exteriorly yeah, right like yeah. if you put if you have a card that has a rounded corner that is less than the roundedness of your pill shaped buttons it looks like you have this like triangle shaped void in the corner of the thing so if you round your outer containers to be concentric with the pill shaped buttons round. you end up with things that are just so crazy rounded it's too much. Um, yeah, so that's a whole other thing is like, and then, yeah, the interior of the button, when you put an icon there, like... Or an avatar, anything circular. Anything circular. You kind of want to tuck it into that corner, but then it's too close to the edge. Icons you kind of want further from the edge. Yeah, pill buttons have, they look very modern and they like are nice to look at and feel good to tap on, but they introduce their own like layout issues. Yes. Anyways, okay, that's okay. it. We're done. Uh, cool cool things. things. Cool things. You go first. Okay, my cool thing this week is uh, self-serving, mm, but it's been very plug. fun. So we we created, we, we okay, for people who don't know, I'm working on a product called Campsite. It's where people go to share work in progress. It's designed for teams, but we realized that, well, quite a while ago, we built the ability to be a member of multiple teams at the same time. And so we've always been interested in like sharing or creating a space where people who don't necessarily work at the same company could come and still like show off work. Call it like a private dribble, right? And so we did it and it's been really fun. I think, I don't know, these kinds of community experiments, 99% chance they're going to die. Like everyone tries to create a new social network. Everyone tries to create a new forum for a thing. It's very, very hard. But we're two weeks in and people are like posting and giving legit critique, which is very cool. That doesn't happen quite yeah. often. Like even on Twitter, like you tweet something and it's always awesome, looks amazing. Put something on Dribble, It's like nice colors. We're having people post in our community campsite and be like, what should I do about this particular problem? People are like really engaging with that problem. And then the, the author's like sharing new versions of the thing. So anyways, I think that's cool. So my cool thing this week is the campsite community. If you want to check it out, go to campsite.design slash community. You'll have to sign in. Again, it's like the semi-private. We're building it on top of our, our team architecture. Uh, but you can create an account for free, sign up with Google or whatever, and you'll request to join. I will get an email. I will be 99 million percent more likely. That math didn't make any sense. I'll be 10,000 times more likely to approve your request to join if you have a real photo and use your name. We're not letting in anons, so to speak. So anyways, mm. that's my cool thing. The campsite community at campsite.design slash community. Cool thing, Brian. Um, my cool thing this week is a thing that has been a cool thing in the past or a variation of it. I've, I've sung the praises of Play. Yes, the, they have been a sponsor of the show. Yeah, exactly. This is not a sponsor. This is not a sponsor. They're this getting a free, genuine free excitement. shout out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Well, they have over the years they've gone from iPhone app to an iPad app, and now they have a Mac. App. Oh, buddy! And it is interesting to see all the cool stuff they're doing. There's there's a YouTube video I'll, I'll link in the show notes that where they kind of walk through the interface. But there's some crazy stuff they're doing. They're you know. It feels a lot like Figma and and or you know Sketch, like your your modern like design ID. Layers panel, yeah. canvas area, properties panel, yeah, yeah. Right, but they're doing some interesting stuff. Like there's some really cool little changes in there, like the um, undocking the layers panel. So this this idea of if you're on a smaller screen, you can undock the layers panel from the left side, and the rest of the interface goes away. It, it turns into like an edge hover thing. So when you hit the edge of the screen, it'll pop the, the left or the right panel top panel down. But uh, when you select an item, the layers panel is like a little window that pops off to the left of whatever you have selected. So you can see where it lives in the hierarchy and select the things around it. It's really clever. Never seen anything like it. And there's a bunch of little choices like that throughout the entire product that are like, oh man, I've never seen that before, but that makes a lot of sense. As with basically everything that that play has done. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh man, I had never seen that before. That makes a lot of sense though. Well, you showed me the Mac app and what it, my immediate response is like, oh, this is the interface or the, the platform where this tool makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that they started out prototyping iPhone apps on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. Which is like jumping to the hardest thing first. Yes. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad they did because mm-hmm. it seems like they took all of these building blocks and foundational interaction design patterns. And now that it lives on the Mac, from what I could see, shit, this makes sense. Like, this is very easy. You said you were able to spin up a prototype very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it just works on it your phone. Feels really good. I mean, feels it's, great. It's early, like it's sure, this sure, is sure, like beta or alpha. Even I think that they're in. Like, there's lots of bugs and stuff. With constant updates. That's on test flight. That's great. But it's really cool to see. Yeah. And and fun to play around with. So anyway, that's my cool thing. Createwithplay.com. Uh, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for a YouTube video that shows off the new interface. Sounds good. Cool thing. Cool. All right. Well, this has been episode 458 of the Design Details podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter as always at Design Details FM. Tweet at us if we missed anything uh, or if you have topics that you'd love for us to cover in future episodes. Otherwise, if you've been enjoying the show, head to patreon.com slash design details where you can support the show for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. And you're going to get access to the bonus episode a month. But hey, it's just a buck. And if you want to support the show, that's where you do it. Patreon.com slash design details. That's it. We will catch you in the sidebar. And for everyone else, catch you in the next episode. Bye. This isn't quite layer cake. This is like L cake. Anyway, <laughs> I don't like the L's. Yes, um, yes. Stop taking so many L's. So, so when you add those dividers, it just further accentuates the this like. Um, there's a term for it. Uh, fuck. There's a term for it. This guy named um, shit. Jonathan Colton has a song about it. Uh, if I could only think of like the song, I could th- I could like unblock myself here. So you you know the there's like the it's like this bulbous shape with all these little things. A fractal, right? The fractal is defined by a guy. It's like Mott or like, hold on.
We're going to this the gonna googs. Drive me nuts. Going to the googs. Mandelbrot. I knew it was like ot. I'm like mott. Yeah, yeah. Mandelbrot. I've Mandelbrot never heard set. Of this. Jonathan Colton wrote a song about it. Anyways, uh, oh, hold on. I could probably recite it here. But if you take a point called Z in a complex set and you did it, I forget. It's like it's the chorus to the song. Anyways. Um, Sounds like a nerdy ass song. Yeah. It's, oh, uh, Jonathan Colton is I don't like know who a huge is. nerd. He wrote the Still Alive song at the end of Portal, you know, mm-hmm. the game Portal. Yeah, I know, but I, I... there's a song at the end, like that plays during the credits. Okay, it's called "Still Alive." Okay, and he wrote that song and became a cult classic. He wrote a song called "I'm Your Moon," which like makes me cry when I listen to it. It's it's about Pluto has a moon, and its moon is so big, or Pluto is so small that like its moon doesn't actually orbit Pluto. They're both in a orbit around each other. So like the chorus of the song is. I'm your moon, you're my moon, we go round and round. And it's kind uh-huh. of this this like love story yeah. of Pluto and its moon. It's very, it's very sweet. Anyways, Jonathan Colton, Mandelbrot set, this L-shaped thing, it ends up looking like this fractal that goes down and disappears yes. into yeah. infinity. 